It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors fell on Wednesday night to the Brooklyn Nets. We will dig into the good, the bad, and the hmm from that game. We'll hand out the dude of the week, and we will round out the show with a few listener questions regarding Nick Nurse, Thad Young, and so much more. It's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like because when I shot, I expected to make it, so like I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode number 1289 of Lockdown Raptors for Friday, November the 25th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. I've also been covering the Toronto Raptors for nine seasons, so there's plenty of old stuff you can go dig up from my time covering the team. Thanks for being along today. You can find the show at Lockdown Raptors on Twitter as well. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the show for free on your favorite podcast apps. And we are, of course, in video form on YouTube each and every day so go hit the big red subscribe button you can't miss it and you have done a wonderful thing to help support the show and stroke my ego all right on today's show we are going to dig into a few different things falling out of the nets game on wednesday truthfully this game stunk and uh, you know it, it did not inspire me to overcome my voice issues that i was dealing with on thursday perhaps related to canada's world cup game on wednesday uh so i didn't do the show yesterday to break down that nets game we will talk about it a bit today on the show but also like what are we really learning right now from the Raptors? As I've kind of said, it feels like the evaluation period is on hold, and especially so now as the spunky, underdog, shorthanded Raptors, you know, the act is kind of wearing a little thin because they have no players. And that's going to lead to a lot of rough play. Losses to teams like the Brooklyn Nets, who of course are very talented, but also don't seem to really care about playing basketball. Either way, there's not a ton to examine about Wednesday's game, truthfully. So we'll do the good, the bad, and the hmm, but we're not going to go full scope on the uh, game on this show. We'll also talk about the dude of the week, which we got to hand out, and we got a couple questions at the end that we're going to get to from the listeners. But before we dive into the good, the bad, and the hmm from the game against the Nets, I got to tell you that today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Okay. Let's get to it. The good, the bad, and the hmm from the 112-98 loss to the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday to fall to 9-9 nine and nine for your Toronto Raptors of the season. 4-5 and five without Pascal Siakam. They're treading water, and boy, oh boy, Pascal Siakam's return cannot come soon enough. You know, without Fred Van Vliet, without Scotty Barnes, without Pascal Siakam, 
I don't know how anyone could have expected the Raptors to really hang in this game against the Nets. I know they lost the night before to a Sixers team that was without its three best players. And so maybe you look at that and say, you have to expect to win on the Wednesday. I don't think that's fair. And I don't think the Raptors were very much set up in this one to have a whole lot of success. And look, I I think you have to start with my good for the game overall wasn't like the greatest game he's ever played, but I will say my good was OG Ananobi, who in this game had 15 points, 7 of 20 from the field. He had a couple steals, five boards, four assists, uh, 0 of 3 from deep. The threes we've kind of talked about, I feel pretty certain that they're going to come back to where you expect them to be once the guys who create most of his threes are back in the lineup. Right now, it's a lot of self-created stuff. It's a lot of stuff created, uh, you know, because it just, he's totally contested. There's not a lot in terms of like free flowing shots in the flow of the offense right now for OG from deep. And so I'm not even worried about the three-point shooting at this point. We know there's enough of a track record for him at this point through his career that he's clearly a very good three-point shooter. Uh, I I just think he needs to have the guys around who are going to set him up with those looks, and he's going to start knocking them down. So that's not a concern for me. The turnovers, obviously five turnovers, not what you want either. We're kind of grasping at straws here for a good from this game, if we're being totally honest. But I do think there is some pretty encouraging stuff going on with the way OG's driving and the way he's driving with a plan. I feel like he's not really had a plan all that often in previous seasons when he decides to sort of make a foray into the paint. He kind of just depends on, all right, I'm stronger than everyone else. I'll probably get to the rim and finish there. We'll figure it out when we get there. But now it seems like when he drives, he's very directed in what he's doing. He either knows, okay, there's a mismatch I can go and size up. I'm going to drive this dude into the paint and I'm going to dunk over this guy or I'm going to finish around him, whatever it might be. Or he knows that there's going to be a passing option for him, whether it's a dump off pass whether it's a kick out it just feels like he's a lot more refined on those drives we're seeing fewer of the situations where he kind of gets to the middle part of those drives gets to 12 feet out and he kind of loses the plot he loses the handle his balance falls off that seems to be kind of going away and he's just plunging right into the heart of the defense and that's awesome to see when the Raptors are at full health, that's going to be an incredible weapon for the Raptors to rely upon. When it's the main source of creation for the team, you know, the general lack of, you know, top playmaker instincts and scoring acumen are going to come into play. And the fact that he's being surrounded by a bunch of guys who you can't really trust to make shots right now also is going to come into play. He's basically doing the Pascal Siakam and Tampa thing where he's driving into a bunch of traffic and then hoping there's an open look. And if he creates an open look, it's usually going to get missed because the guy's shooting it's not a great shooter. I don't think it's quite as dire right now as it was in Tampa, but it's kind of the same idea. And it's very much a Tampa Raptors ass roster out there right now. And so I don't think it's shocking that OG's struggling with his completion and his finishing around the basket. That's just going to be part of the deal when you are the main source of attention for the other team's defense. But I do think overall, the driving has gotten a lot more refined and you know the, the turnovers will become less of an issue when he's not asked to be the main source of creative options for the Raptors, right? He'll probably be number four in that list. And that is, to me, totally fine. Maybe even third. Maybe you level him up ahead of Fred Van Vliet just because of those paint touches, because of the size, because of Fred Van Vliet's off-ball gravity. 
that would be an ideal thing too. But you know that Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, they're going to be the, the guys doing the lion's share of the playmaking. And I think for OG to kind of get these reps, it's obviously a good thing. He's getting a chance right now to kind of test the waters, see what works, see what doesn't. But I, I really don't think there's a guy who's more eager to get the rest of the team back right now than OG Ananobi because things are just going to get so much easier for him when that happens. Uh, my bad for the game against the Nets. It's honestly just the injuries at this point. I'm really sick of watching these like haphazard, barely stitched together rosters have to play basketball games. It sucks. And there's no one's fault necessarily. Like, yeah, the Raptors kind of play a very intense style. Maybe that's conducive to injury, but also a lot of it's been freak stuff that you can't really plan for, account for, attribute a whole lot to. And so it's just really this kind of waiting game for the team to get whole or even sort of whole once again. You know, it's sort of a basketball team when you have Fred and Scotty and OG playing together. Like, there's something that resembles a functional, workable roster, basketball team, half-court offense, all of it when those guys are there. When they're not, it's just, it's, this is not worth evaluating. They're 9-9. Nine and nine. I don't know what that means. I don't know, like, where you slot the Raptors in. My hunch is they're actually one of the four or five best teams in the Eastern Conference, and at full health, they'll start winning games to match that hunch. But right now, it's just such a difficult circumstance for them to work around and I, I'm just kind of over this uh this waiting period it's been helpful to have none of these games really like not not a ton of games in the last week or so for the Raptors to have to play through without their guys it's been nice to get this rest it would be nice if the rest could pay off with guys coming back into the lineup as opposed to more guys shuffling out night tonight um it would be cool if people could stop catching non-COVID illnesses on down the line but um yeah I think the bad for me is just this waiting game it feels like real dog days of the season right now because none of this matters none of this is in any way going to determine the outcome of the season down the line yes you're getting some nice contributions from guys who you otherwise wouldn't see get a lot of action if there were uh, if the team was at full health but you know and like there, there's a benefit to that that's good but ultimately man like just get the guys back and we can start actually having some fun again because right now this ain't fun this is just kind of waiting and killing the time it's a grind out the clock situation until they can get some guys back and hopefully this week is where that begins pascal siakam figured to come back in the next week or so that would be absolutely massive as the schedule is about to get a little bit trickier here too busier and also some good teams on the horizon for them to play uh my hmm uh coming out of the nets game very quickly is Juancho hernan gomez maybe making his claim for a rotation spot right now um really good in that nets game on wednesday 10 points 10 boards he had three steals as well uh you know he's one of five from deep that's the one thing he's at 25 percent from three this season that's not good enough he's gonna have to shoot better than that but if he does start to knock down his threes, like, can you really tell me the huge difference between Wancho Hernan Gomez and, like, a properly performing Gary Trent Jr. on this team? I know that's crazy. Gary Trent Jr. is obviously a more creative player. He can do more stuff, you know, sort of creating something from nothing. That's all well and good. But as far as, like, the stuff the Raptors look for from their role players, which is knock down your shots and play good defense and rebound, Wancho's doing two of those three things right now. Gary Trent Jr. is doing sometimes one of those things. Like, I'm not saying Wancho is going to take Gary Trent Jr.'s spot in the rotation or anything like that, but I do think there's a pathway here for Wancho to play more minutes, and the fact that he's just been this, like, de deflection king has been really cool to see. He's got, like, just a really good knack for knocking the ball out of the air, whether, whether it's on the fly or whatever. He, he's just doing a pretty good job just being long and in the way, 
And that can account for, you know, a lot of things on defense. He's not the quickest or most fleet of foot defender by any means. He's not one of these guys who has these sort of horrifying contests, horrifying if you're the three-point shooter taking the thought, taking the shot in the corner. Um, you know, he's not coming out there with those Chris Boucher-like soaring contests or anything like that, but he's been pretty fundamentally sound. He knows where to stand. Like, he's a pretty good positional player. And I think there's a, there's a world here in which... You know, you want Hernan Gomez kind of carves himself out a bit of a rotation spot here going forward, you know, whether it's as a fill-in for Otto Porter Jr., who's still out with the dislocated toe, whether it's filling in, in in spots for Gary Trent Jr., if Trent is maybe warranting a benching or something like that. It's a, it's a really, really fascinating stretch of play here for Wancho, who I did not have super high hopes for coming into the season, but I'm pretty intrigued about right now, considering what he's done with all the injuries. So that's my, hmm, is say maybe. Maybe there's something there for for Wancho Hernan Gomez going forward with the Raptors in a way. I did not really anticipate at the outset of the season. All right, we're going to continue on. We're going to get into the dude of the week, and then we're going to answer a couple of your listener questions to round out the week. Before we do that, however, I want to tell you about Masterclass. Masterclass is a wonderful service that we now have sponsoring us here on the channel that is here to help you broaden your horizons and you want to keep on learning stuff as you go along through life. You don't just stop learning once you finish up your your, your degree or your high school or whatever it might be. Learning is a lifelong thing and Masterclass is here for that and they can help you learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere and at your own pace. You can learn how to, for example, cook from Gordon Ramsay. You can learn how to write songs with John Legend, people who at the top of their field are now offering you cinema quality classes that give you unparalleled access to a renowned instructor. Lessons range from specifically showing how to execute a technique to an instructor's insights about their craft, and that can be translated across many fields and disciplines. Sessions, a new product for Masterclass, allow for a deeper dive into the lessons over a month-long period. Sessions include projects to submit to a teaching assistant for feedback, as well as the opportunity to learn alongside a community of peers. I highly recommend you check it out. This holiday, give one annual membership and get one for free by going to masterclass.com slash locked on today. That's masterclass.com slash locked on terms apply. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into the dude of the week for the past seven days for your Toronto Raptors. And the dude of the week this time out is our boy, Thaddeus Young, who we talked about OG at the top. OG has been the bright spot of the, the down period for the Raptors here with the injuries, waiting for Pascal Siakam to get back. Fred Van Vliet out of the lineup, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes cycling in and out. All of that's there. 
I really think Thaddeus Young, though, outside of OG, has been like the second most responsible player for the Raptors treading water during this stretch. He's just been so, so tight to watch. Uh, in the Nets game, 28 minutes, 12 points, 8 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals, 6 of 10. He goes 0 of 2 from 3. He's shooting 7% from 3, which is the one place to quibble with yeah, Thad Young right now. But it feels like every two-pointer he puts up is going bottom. Like he, he really has this touch around the basket that's just a delight to watch. These surprising little floaters and, and hook shots that come out of nowhere, it seems. Uh, the way he connects everything together, the passing, the way guys can cut off of him, the way they can run. Marcus all like sets through Thad Young. It's been a delight. And I think we've really seen here the value of a guy like Thad, who is just this wonderful connector and amplifier of other guys' best qualities. He makes other players better which is really the best kind of player to have. And especially when you have a bunch of guys on your team, you know, it's a pretty loaded roster in terms of guys who want the ball when they're at full health, at least. You have to sort of spread it around. You know, there's the politics game to play. Thad Young is the perfect, like, mediator for that politics game because he can make everyone eat, and he doesn't really have to eat himself. He's fine going, you know, 0 for 2 with 0 points in a game and grabbing 8 boards and throwing 4 assists. Like, that is a beautiful thing to have on your team, a low-usage guy who can increase the potency of your higher-usage guys. And so we get to the question now of once the Raptors get healthy, once Pascal Siakam is back, once you, you know, they're hopefully working with at least uh, something resembling their full rotation, there's obviously going to be a couple guys kind of always out. It just seems like that's the way the NBA rolls. But if they're able to get some semblance of health here, what's the ultimate role here for Thad Young on this team? He's been thrust into this sort of bigger role without Siakam. We haven't really seen him take the reins and be a big part of the team with Siakam in the lineup. And I think that that's sort of an interesting question as they figure to reincorporate Siakam here. How does that affect Thad's minutes? How does that affect, you know, how the bench is being used? To me, other than Chris Boucher, Thad is the first guy getting minutes off the bench for me. He's just been so, so good. He can play small ball five. He can slide up to the four. That's fine. You can play him in those long weirdo lineups and like have him be your de facto point guard if you really want. Um, I, I think he kind of does it all. And look, there are going to be some matchups where you don't really want small ball five Thad out there. You know, obviously we saw in the Hawks game, the, the length of a Clint Capella, the floating touch of Trey Young, and just the fact that it was a really difficult sort of pick and roll coverage for Thad Young to navigate at his size the way you saw Christian Coloco just kind of use his extra length to, to defend that it's just something Thad Young's never going to have but most matchups aren't going to really demand a traditional center you know that's kind of the way the Raptors have built their team and I do wonder if maybe we start to see Thad close some games and if Gary Trent Jr the guy who was kind of the lightning rod for criticism this week from Nick Nurse maybe he's a guy who starts to lose his minutes late in games as the Raptors are trying to close Maybe they think, all right, we have Fred, we got OG, we got Scotty, we got Pascal. We throw Thad in as the small ball five. Maybe they're a little light on shooting, but they've gotten around worse shooting lineups in the past. And if you can have Scotty Barnes taking catch and shoots, that's great. Pascal's been totally fine from catch and shoots this season as well, too. And maybe there's enough shooting there to make it work. And if that's the case, that should be like a monstrous defensive lineup. It puts Thad at small ball five, which is where he's been the best 
excuse me, it's where he's been his best so far this year. You have Scotty and Pascal out there who are pretty good help helping rim protectors. Uh, you know, Pascal's incredible. Scotty, I think that's been one of the positives of his defensive development this season is what he's done as a help defender at the rim. Um, you know, I think that's a kind of an interesting closing lineup and I would like to see it. And I think Thad has kind of earned the right to close there. Similar to how I think Chris Boucher has also earned the right to close a little bit more often. It, it's a tough thing to mess with, right? Because it's easy to forget the first five or so games when they were healthy and basically anytime they've had their main five starting guys available they've been a clutch a clutch time monster they've destroyed teams in close games late in games and I think a big part of that is that there's five options on the floor you got to worry about you can't sell out too much to stop one guy because someone on the floor is more than capable of burning you and I think it works for that reason but also if Gary Trent Jr. is not going to defend the way the Raptors want him to defend, if he's not going to hit his shots and he's down to 31% from three after going one of eight against the Nets, like maybe Thad Young becomes the guy you can kind of slide in there. Again, Boucher at times as well. I'm sure Coloco will get some looks there too. But I think one of the nice things we've seen here from this last couple of weeks is we've seen a few guys kind of emerge as potential options late in games to give the Raptors some variability. There will certainly be plenty of games where they close with their five guys that they have started games with when they're at full health, and that's totally fine. It's worked, like we've said. But, you know, the, the thing about the Raptors is trying to find different ways to to peel the apple. And they might have just a nice set of guys they can kind of cycle in for that Gary Trent spot in the starting five, or more so the closing five than anything else, with with Thad and Boucher and Coloco, and even Otto Porter Jr. if you want to go small and extra shooty. Like, that's a beautiful thing that the Raptors have kind of found here, despite all of the hell of the last couple of weeks with the injuries. Um, it, it's just, you know, they are a team that has a little bit more multiplicity to it, I think, than they used to have, which is really great. And, and it's how you win games in the playoffs. It's how you go deep in the playoffs. It's you're able to play multiple ways and throw different looks at teams and not have to rely on one thing that over the course of a seven game series, a team might be able to scheme for. I, I do think we've seen and Thad Young has been the biggest reason for this, the guy who's kind of Sean the most. There's a lot of different options the Raptors have now to close games. Plenty of reasonable players to toss into a game when it's down to the the sort of nitty gritty. And I think that's uh, pretty cool. And Thad Young, man, he's uh, an absolute delight. I, I have already requested. I haven't had a Raptors jersey purchased for me in a very long time. I have requested myself a Thad Young jersey for Christmas because that dude rocks. We're going to continue on here around of the show with a couple of listener questions to uh, send you off into your weekend. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about betonline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends from every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports, everything else in between. They've got it all at betonline.net. The World Cup's on right now, man. I'm having a blast watching the World Cup as much as the, uh, you know, situation around this World Cup is extremely dubious. The games themselves have been extremely entertaining. And if you want to throw a little scratch down on these games, BetOnline is the place to go to figure out where should you be putting your money? Where should you be investing and saying, all right, that team, that's that's worth my bet. That team's not worth my bet. They're like all of it's there. They're gonna make you the informed wager. So go check them out. Betonline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here, rounding out your show here on a Friday, your first listen of the day, of course, with a couple of mailbag questions from the good people out there uh, who help in our round of the show. Let's get to this one here from our pal, RapsFan902 on Twitter. If the injuries continue even at, say, half the rate so far, not just for us, but for the whole league, what would you be looking at for when evaluating this team as the trade deadline approaches? This is a good question. I... I will say, like, no matter what the injury situation is this season, I don't think I'm, like, selling off parts for futures. That's not a thing. I, I think the Raptors are well past that point as a team in their build right now. So that's kind of out. I, I think most likely, if they're super injured, it feels like they're just never going to get healthy. If it feels like they're constantly chasing the dragon, as it were. I, I wonder if maybe they hold off at the deadline on making any significant ads like that could be one way to look at it it's well it's just not coming together for us this year we've lost too much ground in the standings we're still floating around 500 because we keep on having to tread water with players out this is all hypothetical of course but if that is the case I do wonder if maybe they say you know what this isn't the year there's plenty of other teams in the Eastern Conference who's far more likely to have it be their year than us maybe we kind of keep our chips and wait for next year before we make any big moves at the deadline the other way to think of it is, hey, maybe they go trade for guys to bolster the depth and make it so the team has a little bit more in terms of options in the event you do get hurt. I don't love that because, you know, if your main guys are hurt, no no amount of depth is going to make you a better playoff team or a team more capable of making some noise in the postseason. Without Pascal, without Scotty, without Fred, without OG, this team's not going anywhere. And so if those are the guys who continue to have injury, injury issues, then... Again, no no amount of depth is going to save the team if you can't get go, those guys on the floor together. I'm hopeful that they will, right? Like, it, it was a freak injury for Pascal. You know, Scotty, obviously, he keeps falling weird, and it's very troublesome that he keeps on falling so weirdly on his knees and ankles. Um, Fred's a continual sort of source of old guy pains and stuff, and kind of respect it. It's kind of fun. Um in a weird way it's not fun that he's not playing but i do like that there's a relatable player on the raptors and that hey i i hurt like him too that's cool um but yeah it sucks it's it's really difficult to evaluate anything right we're sitting at this point now we're almost 20 games into the season usually the 20 game mark is where you look at and, and sort of take a scope around the league and say hey that team is good that team is bad the, the first 20 games have kind of told us this we don't know anything about this team we don't know what the ceiling of this team is right now we don't know if they can string together some of the play that we saw in the first part of the season where they looked like absolute world beaters we still don't know and we haven't really had a chance to figure it all out so, you know, I don't think they're going to go and make a bunch of moves at the deadline if this continues, where they're sort of making big sweeping decisions about the team that they haven't actually seen play together. Um, you know, I do think the sort of big trade deadline thing this year to keep an eye on is Gary Trent Jr. I think that's going to be a thing independent of how injured the team is. Um, you know, it, it might, if the, if the Raptors are super injured and Gary Trent Jr. is struggling because he's not able to create stuff for himself without the best playmakers around, that maybe kills his trade value. Maybe that makes it him less likely to opt out of his deal after the season. That's a consideration here too. The next couple months will be very telling here. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a really good question that I don't have a great answer for because it's really hard to make trade deadline evaluations when you haven't really had the chance to even evaluate the team you have on hand. We saw last year this happen. The first couple of months were very all over the place, and they kind of found some stasis in the back part of the year. Hopefully they can do that again. We'll see. 
Uh, next question here comes from Jake Talk Sports Three, asking, "Do we need to have a conversation about Nick Nurse?" I don't know what type of conversation you want to have about Nick Nurse. I'm assuming this is in the negative vein, like is Nick Nurse actually a good coach or something along those lines. Uh, look, as much as it's hard to evaluate the team without its players, I think it's actually maybe a little easier to evaluate Nick Nurse when they're kind of helter-skelter in terms of the guys that are available. And I kind of think Nick Nurse is doing a really good job, man. I know I sound like a shill and a homer, and I, I it's maybe uninteresting to not have a ton of critiques for Nick Nurse, but honestly, man, like... What else is he supposed to do with the roster he has right now? I know there's concerns about him calling out Gary Trent Jr. Look, they're adults. Coaches call out players. Players learn and adapt and figure it out, and usually it's all fine. And he's had success with that before. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on the Gary Trent Jr. one as well. It's not like Gary Trent Jr. is playing well. Like, Nick Nurse isn't lying when he says he's been disappointing. He has been. So, like, I, I don't see an issue there. Calling your guys out to account. Um, you know, it's certainly something you don't want to see all the time because that could kind of sap the vibes of the room. But I don't think we're at risk of that happening at the moment. Um, and, and, like... They've still, they've won four, four of the nine games without Pascal. They've looked pretty good in a lot of them. We're very much in that Hawks game on Sunday without most of their players as well or Saturday. I just feel like at this point, if you look at Nick Nurse and think anything other than, man, that dude's really good at winning basketball games. Like that's kind of the point, right? Like, is that not what we're in it for? He's very good at doing the thing that coaches are meant to do. I think he's a very good coach. Obviously, not everything's per perfect. He's very easy to nitpick with his weirdo lineup combos and stuff like that. The overplaying of guys, certainly. Although, the overplaying of guys is very much tied to the fact that he wins games all the time. Like, you play your best players, you're going to win more games. He's very good at milking the most out of whatever he has on hand. He can make lemonade out of limes. It, 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 he's very good at it. I, I don't know. I there are certainly some things. The The way they play, is it sustainable? Are they going to be able to you know, maintain this extreme style of play where transition is everything? The half-court offense doesn't give them a whole lot. They're kind of always trying to overcompensate for that half-court offense in other areas of the floor, and that maybe leads to other sort of cascading domino effects. But ultimately, I, I think... Nick Nurse is a very good coach. He's done a lot with the roster he has on hand, and uh, I don't think there's a conversation that really needs to be had about him. He's, you know, I could see why maybe he's a persnickety guy, and the, and the players might have their, you know, their misgivings about some of the ways he handles things, but ultimately, it seems like they're in a pretty good spot, and everyone's in a pretty good mood all the time, so I don't really think it's all that much of a concern. I don't think there's much of a conversation to be had about Nick Nurse, if we're being honest, though I appreciate the question. Last one here comes from regular question asker at those guys underscore TG. We all love Thad Young. If you were to trade him, would a first round pick be a, too high of a price? Wouldn't trade him, just asking. Um, interesting question. I, I don't think they're in the business of trading Thad Young right now. Um, you know, I don't think he would have a ton of value out there. I don't think he's getting you a first round pick, especially considering how first round picks are like the chief currency in the NBA right now. Um, and I just don't know why you would trade Thad Young. He's very good. He's very effective and helpful for this team. The only way Thad Young gets dealt is as like a salary matching thing later in the season. If they're trying to trade for a bigger salary guy, then Thad Young comes in. If they're trying to trade for Kevin Durant, for example, sometime down the line, Thad Young comes in and his number is his money is pretty helpful for making that happen. But 
no, I, I don't think you're getting a first round pick for him. I think Thad is very valuable to this team in the way that he's probably not as valuable to other teams. And there's just no need to, to really move on from him or, or, or consider trading him unless you have to match some salaries. And then, of course, he might just be an unfortunate casualty of that. But for now, keep him, baby. He's awesome. Start him. I don't care. He's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I could watch Thad Young all day, every day and be pretty, pretty content with that uh with that we're gonna round up the show thanks for the questions that came in thanks for tuning in thanks for putting up with the missed episode yesterday as my voice was very much shot we'll be back again next week there's gonna be some weird scheduling stuff next week as i gotta travel in the middle of the week uh and so i'm not sure of the actual recording schedule for next week as it stands right now we'll get the usual monday tuesday wednesday wednesday shows in back part of the week a little bit tbd at the moment but either way Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Please go and support the podcast by following, subscribing, rating, and reviewing on your favorite podcast apps. We are also on YouTube if you want to go hit the big red subscribe button over there and support the show in video form. Again, I don't even ask you to watch the videos. Just go on, subscribe, and then juice the stats. That's all we need, baby. Or if you want to watch it on mute in the background, I'm also uh, going to be all right with that too. Either way, thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. Hope our American pals had a great Thanksgiving yesterday, and we will talk to you again on Monday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Go listen to Locked On Leafs now, baby. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.